But I, I want us to tune our ears. Can we tune our ears uh, just, just to hear from the Lord this morning? And um, uh, Because I'm not going to preach on Lee Sarver. Uh, and I'm not going to preach on Keith Lincoln. And I'm, I'm going to preach on Jesus this morning. Amen. I just want to exalt him. And if you have your Bibles, I, I didn't, I'm sorry I didn't give this to them, but maybe they can pull it up. I want to read several verses of Scripture this morning in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 4. And then we're going to go to chapter 5 as well. I want to pull some things together. Really just the Lord birthed this in my heart. Uh, I don't have what I feel is a sermon. I have what I feel is a word. And I think it's a word for this time, and I think it's a word for this church. And, uh, and I, I uh, say that very humbly, uh, but very uh, strongly at the same time. First Samuel chapter 4. Would you stand one more time as we read the word of the Lord together? 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning at verse number 5. Now, you have to understand there had been sin in Israel's uh, uh, experience. They, they had strayed and wandered, and yet the Philistines, their arch enemies, had come out to fight them and to come against them to oppose them. And how many knows even as God's people, you can have the favor of God on you, but the favor of God doesn't mean you won't have a fight. The favor of God means you will have a fight. The favor of God will be like a magnet on your life. When God says, I'm going to bless them, the devil said, I'm going to try to keep it from happening. And I'm going to fight everything that God is trying to do in them and for them, and he's going to fight it. So, so with that being said, the people of God who had the favor of God at the same time had, had these enemies that was rising up against them. But Israel had sort of strayed and sort of got coasting along and, and had settled for less, if you will, spiritually. And we'll, we'll see that as it goes ahead. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 5, they were fighting the Philistines. And it says this, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. I don't have time to talk about it, but man, we need the earth to ring again. It's been mourning, it's been groaning, it's been crying. We need it to ring again with the glory of the Lord. Amen. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this grace? I think we ought to give a, a, a shout unto God to where our enemies take notice. And they say, what in the world is this? What in the world is going on? I ain't preaching that either, but that's in there. They said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. The enemy knows when what you got is real. The enemy knows when God is around. And verse 7 says, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, woe unto us, for there have not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? It wasn't several gods, it's one true God. These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fell of Israel, 30,000 footmen. Watch this, important. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Eli was the high priest at that time. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Now drop down to verse 17. And the messenger answered and said, there, there was somebody that came back and said, told Eli what was happening in the battle. The messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. Now watch. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God, not about Hophni and Phinehas, not about this, his sons, but he said when he mentioned that the ark of God was taken, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke and he died for he was an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod. Kabod means glory. Ichabod means no glory. She named him Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, 
and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Chapter 5, verse 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, when they brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon, which was their God, the bottom half of him was like a fish, the upper part was like a man. He had a head and hands and arms, but he had a, 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 a stump like a fish. And when they set it next to him, verse 3, when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off, not broken off, cut off. Difference between being broken off and being cut off. Broken, it could have just happened when it fell. Cut off means somebody did it. And the glory of the Lord, we'll get to that. And they were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. Let's skip to verse 11 and we'll be through. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go again to its own place that it slay us not and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. Can you say amen? amen? Six words I want to talk to you about today. Six words from this story. The ark of God was taken. Something was missing. But yet the Bible said when they put it in the, the temple of Dagon that Dagon began to fall. Something's fallen. And then they said that we need to get this back to its rightful place. In fact, it says to his rightful place, not its rightful place. Because the true glory is not a substance, it's a person. Jesus is the glory. Come on, he is the glorious one. And so something was coming back to Israel. And the Lord stirred me this week. And I want to talk to you this morning just a little bit from the subject. Something's missing. Something's falling. Something's coming. Something's missing. Something's falling. Something's coming. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. Would you watch over this word and keep it to perform it? Father, would you fill my heart with your word that may speak of the abundance of my heart being filled with your word and your word alone. Let me speak under an anointing today, even a prophetic anointing, God, so that the word may go forth and pierce our hearts and change our direction, change our destiny, change us, oh God, individually, corporately. Let us, oh God, have a hunger, not just an appetite. Let us have a hunger for what you want to do. And Father, may we open ourselves up to it. Father, we'll thank you. We'll praise you. We'll bless you. Change us today, oh God. We pray and we'll honor you for it for we ask it in the mighty name above all names. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. 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 Come on and give him a hand of praise. And you can be seated if you can, if you want to. Amen. It's been said many times that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In other words, when we in this dispensation, read the Old Testament, it, it, it kind of looks like a blanket's on stuff. We don't really know what does that mean, what does that stand for, what was the purpose. But when you get over to the New Testament, it's like God starts pulling the blanket back. Jesus was the revelation of God. The last book of the Bible is not the revelation of John. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's the fact that he was unveiled, that he began to unveil stuff to us that we didn't understand before. He began to say things like the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven is. He said the kingdom of heaven is like. He said I want, I want to use something that's familiar to, to teach something that's not familiar. And that's how we understand the Old Testament is because that's not familiar to us, but we see types and shadows and pictures, things in the Old Testament that now Jesus has come to fulfill and that Jesus has come to perform and that Jesus has come to declare. And so now we see the blanket pulled back. And I, lo I love the story of Passover. We see that. 
in the Passover when they were in Egypt getting ready to come out, the Bible said that God instructed them to take lambs and to kill the lamb and to roast it with fire and to put the blood on the doorpost. We don't understand what that was about until John was baptizing one day and the Bible said when he looked up he saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. This is not a lamb of man. This is not a lamb of man's choosing. This is a lamb of God's choosing. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And when he said the Lamb of God, now all of a sudden, where do our minds go? It goes back. It goes back to Passover when the Lamb was slain, when the Lamb was offered to the people to partake of, and when the blood was applied. And now through the blood of Jesus applied to our life, now when God sees the blood, he passes. Anybody glad you've been passed? I know sometimes we get upset when we feel like we've been passed over, but being passed over with the wrong thing can be a good thing. I want him to see me and see the blood and when he comes to pour out his wrath just pass on over because the blood of Jesus has covered me. Somebody said that that when he got to the Israelites house that, that nobody died in the Israelites house there in Egypt. That's not true. Somebody died in all the houses. Some of them died at God's hand, but some of them died. Come on, there was a lamb that was slain in the houses. And can I tell you, somebody said, well, you know, uh, uh, that nobody had to die when, when, when in the Israelites' houses. No, that's the truth is somebody had already died. When God got to their house, he saw the blood and said, somebody's already died. And can I tell you that when he comes and when he's going to hand out his wrath and punishment, he's not going to get to us and say, well, your wages for sin is not death. He's going to say the wages for your sin's already been paid. Somebody's already died the death that you should have died because Jesus took the punishment of death for your sins and my sins. What a, what a great honor and a great thrill. But that, that's sort of how, how it goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I love Passover. I love talking about the tabernacle. I love studying the tabernacle. And one of the things that, that's, that's concealed there and revealed in the New Testament is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant really represents Jesus. It was made out of wood and covered with gold. Jesus was humanity and deity together. He was wood and gold. He was an earthly substance, but he was a heavenly substance. And it was there that the presence and the glory of God began to dwell and manifest and meet. Jesus was the walking Ark of the Covenant. He is the one who made covenant with God and with man, the one mediator between us, bringing us, reconciling us together. But the ark is a type and a shadow of the presence of God. It was there on the ark of the covenant that the Bible said that the glory of God would manifest. The Shekinah glory would manifest. And I want to tell you that you can, people are going everywhere saying, man, I want to, I want to see something. I want to experience something. Friend, all you need is to get where Jesus is because Jesus is the place. Jesus is the place where the glory manifests. If you want the glory to manifest, exalt Jesus. Quit showing off. Quit trying to make it about everything else and make it about Jesus. And if you'll exalt Jesus, the glory will come because he is the glorious one. And so all of a sudden, he, we, 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 we look and we, we, we don't know what, what the glory was exactly like because we hadn't seen it. We, didn't, we don't know what that was like. We don't know what that experience was like. I, I've heard stories even, even from, from my dad's church. He's pastored the same church for 40 years over in Reiner. And, and, and uh, uh, I, I know back before he even went there, there's stories of, of one night. They had a little sway back church, and one night they... Uh, it's said that they called the fire department while church was going on because the building was on fire. And when the fire department got there, there was no fire. Somebody driving by said "There's that, that church is glowing. It's on fire on the inside. But what had happened was the glory of the Lord had manifested, literally manifested, and was in the eaves of the building, and it glowed with the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you, that's the fire we need. That's the glow we need. That's the manifestation we need. Not just so it can be seen, but because of what happens when you get in that dimension of glory. And so, so we don't know exactly what it means. And, and, and this is what I begin to think is that we don't, a lot of people today, we don't have point of reference. When I talk about the glory, when, I, when we talk about the manifestation of the Spirit, I know Brother Paul, Brother Angle, Brother Lee, other pastors, uh, ministers, Brother Davey, Brother Wayne, different ones. We, we, we've been in it long enough and we know and we, we know what we're talking about, but a lot of people don't even know what you're talking about. 
because they have no point of reference. Many in Israel was like that with the glory that, that would manifest on the ark. They had never seen it. They had never experienced it. They had strayed. They had drifted. They have wandered away. And the glory, as far as the physical manifestation, had not manifested for quite some time. But they still had the ark. They still had the ark. And the ark was important, but the ark was the place where the glory wanted to manifest. And I don't know about you, but I don't want no glorious ark. I, I don't want symbols without substance. And that's what we've relegated church to a lot today, is we've relegated it to symbols without substance. Pastor Lee was talking here the other Wednesday and he said something about, I believe it was on a Wednesday, and he talked about uh, Samson and he said how that Samson, when he laid in the lap of Delilah, that, that finally when she shaved the locks of his hair, or, or had his hair shaved, that, that she said, the Philistines be upon you. And he got up and shook himself. But that was just the symbol. And he didn't even know that the spirit wasn't upon him and within him anymore. And he had, he had the symbol. He thought the shaking was the spirit. No, the, it's not. It's not the same. You got the symbol but not the spirit. And, and one of the things God stirred me about to say today is, is that some, number one is that something's missing. Something's missing. Something's missing from the body in general. I'm not talking about everywhere or every service, but in general, there's something that's missing, and it's that it's that tangible experience and encounter. It's that tangible uh, 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 glory of God. Something is missing. I'll, I'll show you in a moment. But the the question we have to ask ourselves is: Which do we have? Which do we want? Which are we satisfied with? Because I've found out that God will let you live with the symbol if you're satisfied to not have the substance. God will, let, God will let you settle for less. He is a gentleman that will not push himself on you. He will not make you feel his spirit. He will not make you hunger it. He will not make you uh, uh, long for it and crave it. He will not make you have an encounter with him. But he will give you an opportunity. He will, he will say, come unto me. He will say, hey, I've got something for you. He will stir. He will show up. And he will try to draw you toward him. But he will let you live with less. I got news for you. I, I just got to tell you, I, I'm, I am so tired of churches and church services and preachers and singers when we settle for less. I can't handle it anymore. Man, when, 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 I, when I go to churches and they don't want the glory, they don't want the spirit, they don't want the move of God, I'm thinking, dear God, one of us is going to need medicine. Either I'm going to need medicine to get through this or when I get up there, they're going to need medicine to get through this. <laughs> because, because it's the glory, it's the power, it's the spirit of God that makes the difference. And, and friend, I'm telling you that if we are going to impact this generation, we must have more, come on, we got to have more than a story of what once was. We got to have more than a testimony. I'm glad for your testimony, but we got to have more than a testimony of what God did way back 22 years ago. If we're going to impact this generation, we got to have more than just somebody's memory that says, well, you know, I remember when. I'm glad you remember it. That's all well and good, but I need something right now. I need God to touch me right now. I got heartache and pains and battles and enemies and opposition right now. I don't, I can't live on memories. I can't live on that. I need something to manifest in my life today. I need something fresh. And if we're going to impact this generation, we got to have more than a memory of the glory. We got to have more than a than a testimony of the glory. We got to have more than something that we need an experience. Come on, something's missing. Something's missing. We have symbols without substance. Can I talk to you a minute? We have symbols without substance. We have motions without manifestation. We have excitement without an encounter. We have enthusiasm without experience. We, we have volume without victory. That's something we Pentecostals are bad for sometimes is we think that, that victory is in the volume. 
So if things ain't moving, come on, brother, turn me up. Come on, sis, turn it up. Come on, sing a little loud. That's all well and good, but victory's not in the volume. You can have volume and be completely defeated. What we need is the glory. What we need is the Spirit of God. What we need is God to move in us and move on us to where nothing else matters and we're not concerned about anybody or anything. What we need is the glory. Something's missing, something's missing. How do you know something's missing? I'll tell you. When Christians are constantly depressed, something's missing. When people drag in late and slip out early, something's missing. I ain't looking at nobody. When sports stadiums are full and and pews are empty, something's missing. When sin is celebrated but the spirit is tolerated, something's missing. Come on, when, when certain sins have done crept in and they are petted but speaking in tongues is persecuted, something's missing. Something's missing. Where is the fire? Where is the boldness? Where is the move of God? Where are the people who are hungry for him? Who are the people who say, if they don't care what they do, I don't care what I do. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to let him touch me. I'm going to let him bless me. I'm going to let him move on me. Let me tell you, something's missing. But as much as I know and believe that something's missing, is it already, is it really 5 to 12? I'm going to turn that clock upside down. No PM? Shouldn't have told me that. Brother Paul, I believe something's missing, generally speaking. But you hear me. Let us not be so foolish to believe that just because something is missing from our experience, that it's missing from God's reality. Let us not be so foolish to believe that just because you didn't see it and you ain't seen it and you ain't felt it and you ain't, you ain't got a testimony and a memory, let's not think that God ain't able to do it. Let's not be so foolish that just because the ark's not glowing that the ark has no power. Let's not be foolish enough to think that just because we went to a dead church or we went through dead services or we heard a dead sermon or we went through dead worship, don't, let's, let's not be foolish enough to think that that has anything to do with God. Let's not be foolish enough to think that God's not the one, that God needs help, that God needs a hand up, that God needs encouragement. Let us not believe that. Let it, listen, it does not mean that it's missing from God's arsenal. My God is not deteriorated. My God is not diminished. My God is not sick. My God is not ill. My God is not de- uh, uh, somehow decapitated. My God is not decrepit. My God is, is not uh, injured. My God is not wounded. My God is not going down. He's not on his last leg. My God is as powerful and as and as mighty and as majestic as he's ever been. And what he did then, he can do today. We need something fresh. I guess what I want to say is that this is not an Ichabod generation. I think we've relegated it as that. I think there's something in the back of our head and say, well, it just ain't the way it used to be. Well, then let's get on with it. Let's get on with it and let's seek God like they sought God so we can experience God like they saw God move. Let, let, let's put it, come on. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, 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 quit criticizing the world and let's humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked way. Let's not point out their wicked ways without turning from our own wicked ways. But if we'll turn from our wicked ways, he said, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I'll bring healing in the land. Because there's something wrong in this sick land of ours that only the glory of God can change. Only the glory of God can fix. It's not going to be the White House. It's not going to be Congress. It's not going to be the representatives. It's not going to be the senators. It's not going to be officials. It's not going to be politicians. It's not going to be anything. It's not through this law and that law. It's not going to be through legislation. Only the glory of God can fix some of what's sick in this nation and in this world. And I want to tell you, let's not be foolish enough to think that because something's missing from our experience that it's missing from God's arsenal. Let's not resign and relegate this generation 
as the woman did. I don't have time to get into the story. But when, when they heard that the ark of God was missing, the ark of God was taken, the Bible said the woman went into labor and they named the child Ichabod, meaning no glory or the glory had departed. But listen to me. Let's not declare that over this dispensation and over this generation. Let's not declare that God no longer... What hope do we have if God doesn't heal anymore? What hope do we have if God doesn't work miracles anymore? What hope do we have if he doesn't save the lost anymore? What hope do we have if backsliders can't come back home again? What hope do we have if God's not working anymore? What hope do we have without him? This is not an Ichabod generation. The glory is still real. The glory is still mighty. The glory is still powerful. And I want to tell you what hope do we have if God doesn't deliver and set free anymore, let us not relegate this season to lacking glory because just because glory has not been your experience doesn't mean it's not God's reality. And I want to tell you that God, just as he did here, he's about to prove to us. You hear me. You hear me. I believe this. I believe he's about to prove to his people and to those around that he is still glorious. I believe he is about to prove that he is still glorious. In fact, I declare to you that he has proven it to us and he is about to prove it to us again. Can I talk about it a moment? Thank you. He has proven it and he will prove it. Watch this, out of this text. I know I ain't dealing a lot with the text. You gotta hear with spirit ears. Let him that hath an ear hear what the spirit is saying. We, the ark may, you say, well, I think the ark is gone. I think the glory is gone. No, this is not Ichabod. This is not a time for the glory to be gone. This is a time where we need to say the glory needs to come and we'll do anything for the glory to be here. And so the Philistines took the ark and they, they took it away and they took it in, into the, the house of Dagon, their God. Half fish, half man. Sounds like a schizophrenic double personality. Didn't know who he was. And the Bible said they set the ark down. Watch this, watch, watch. And they set the ark down beside of him. They went on, nothing seemed to happen. Seemed like the ark of God was cohabitating with another God. Seemed like there was no power. Seemed like there was no glory. Seemed like nothing was going on, like nothing positive would come. And there's too many, my God. There's too, there's too many times where we look at things as being, and we may not say it and it may not be our confession, but somewhere in our mind and our heart, we think that there's things that's really pushing God's limits. We, we think, man, I don't know if God's really going to come through on this or not. I don't know if God can really do this or not. Let me tell you something, buddy. You get the ark of God. You get the power of God into the right atmosphere and in the right environment. Let me tell you, God will show you what he can do. And all of a sudden, they took that ark in and set it next to Dagon. And for a while, it looked like cohabitation. It looked like it was going on. It looked like there was, there was nothing happening. But the Bible said when they come in the next day, that Dagon had fallen over. And the Bible said that the Philistines came and got their God. 1-800-HELP-A-DEVIL-UP. I don't know because I'm using Pastor Lee's microphone I don't know what it is so they set him back up and they said oh it's been a strong wind in here or something 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 doesn't happen we don't we don't we don't know what happened but he's in good shape Woo! thank God that our God is in good shape we had to help him but he's in good shape and the Bible said that they left. And then when they come back on the morrow, that this time Dagon had fallen over, but this time, and I brought it to your attention, that the head and the hands were not broken off, but cut off. And, 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 and now they're in, now they're, let me show you what this means. Did you hear what I said earlier about Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed? There's something that just was revealed right here that you may not have caught, but since I'm nice, I'm going to give you another chance. They brought the ark in, set it next to Dagon on day one. Everybody say day one. On day two, everybody say day two. Day two, he had fallen over and they set it back up. But on the third day, everybody say the third day. On the third day, 
The Bible said that Dagon's head and hands, his head, his thoughts, his plans was cut off. And his hands, his deeds, his works was cut off. In the New Testament, the Bible said that Jesus died and was buried. But on the third, on the third day, on the third day, he crushed the head of the serpent. Come on, that serpent doesn't have a head anymore. I'm telling you, his hands, his works, his deeds have been defeated. And Jesus, by rising from the dead on the third day, he has defeated our enemy. He has defeated the devil. Types, shadows, everything, everything means something. But I'm telling you, that's not, that's not, He's not through just with that. Because of that, we now can see even further revelation and, and experience of deliverance. Listen, listen, listen to me. I sense that what God's about to do is prove himself glorious again. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me preach this the way I want to preach it. It's five after twelve, but there's no PM service. I just want to repeat that. Just for your benefit, I sense that God's about to prove himself glorious again. Listen, everybody in this room, okay, listen, the Philistines and Dagon, their God, was a stronghold against Israel. They really fought. They really put up opposition. It seemed like something they never really could conquer. Everybody in this room has a Dagon. Some form or another, you got a Dagon. Everybody at some point in their life anyway will have a day gone. You have something that seems for a little while to be cohabitating with God. Doesn't seem like God's overthrown it. Doesn't seem like God's knocked it over. Doesn't seem like God's moving on it. It don't even seem sometimes like God can or God wants to or God desires to or God will. Maybe he's not able. Maybe this is much. I don't know. But it seems like there's something missing from my experience. And it seems like the ark, I got the ark. I feel the blessing of the Lord. But I got this Dagon thing sitting here too. I got this stronghold sitting here too. I got this problem that won't go anywhere too. And so I got the glory on one side. I got the ark on one side. And I got Dagon on the other side. And I'm halting between two opinions. Which one am I going to? turn my attention to and too many times we turn our attention and our energy to Dagon instead of to the ark and we, and we, and we put so much attention and so much effort into Dagon now watch this this, this, this is important you, you, you have everybody has a Dagon you got something that appears to have been equal to God or, or even maybe great the ark seemed to cohabitate but I got news for you it might have seemed like the ark was cohabitating with Dagon in that initial stage, but God was just positioning himself. And I got news for somebody today. I believe that God has been positioning himself in your life to show himself glorious on your behalf. Now watch this. This is, this is important in this text. I can't stay here long, but, I, got, but I, I can't move on without talking about it. Because the Bible said that sitting next to the ark, the representation of the presence and the glory of God on the earth, the ark of the covenant, when Dagon sat beside of that on the morrow when they got up, that Dagon had fallen over. And then the Bible says that the lords of the Philistines, the men of Ashdod, they came in and they set Dagon back up. Let me tell you what some people's issue is. Some people's issue is not that God's not pushing things over. Their problem is that some people around them keep setting it back up. Some of us could have been delivered if we'd have quit listening to the wrong people. Some of us could have come through already if we wouldn't let people keep putting back up what God's trying to push down. Y'all, y'all not, y'all not helping me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on and preach anyway. I, I just, I feel my help coming. See, see, for some, the problem is that every time God starts moving to deliver them, people around you keep setting the stronghold back up. God's trying to get you to a life of faith, and the people around you trying to tell you it's okay to doubt. Well, you know, it's just so hard, and God understands, and you just, no, 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 no. He's trying to get you to faith. And I don't need you encouraging and strengthening my doubt when God's trying to tell me I need to believe. And some of you would have been delivered right now if you'd quit fellowship.
gossiping with the Philistines who keep setting back up what God keeps pushing down in your life. If God wants it to be pushed down, I don't want anybody in my life who I allow to set it back up. Some of us would do well to take inventory of the people around us. Not sitting next to you, don't do that. But the people around us and say, are they setting the wrong things up in my life? Because that's easy. That's easy to let people set Dagon back up because we get so used to it being there. And it's easy to let them, we think, man, they're really doing me help. They're really doing me good. They'll, they'll come and they'll call and they'll talk about the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem. And I, and that's all well and good. You got to talk. You got to have somebody to talk to. But I want to tell you something. There's times that God could have already ended it. There's times that God could have brought it to a conclusion. But we've allowed people to influence us and raise that thing back up again. I know what I'm talking about. There's times, there's times with weaknesses, there's times with sins, there's times with behaviors that if you get around the wrong people, they will strengthen your weakness. They will encourage your weakness. Come on, and they'll even, they'll even amen, they'll even take advantage of it. The fact that that weakness is in your life, amen. Well, Selah. Selah. But I got the sense that God's about to do something in people's lives that nobody's going to be able to set back up. I got a feeling in my spirit that even this day before you leave, something in your life is going to fall. See, something's missing, but something's falling. You got to believe, listen, you might notice and recognize that something's missing as we all do, but you also got to move from that to believe that something is falling because God is still able. And I may not have the experience and I may not have the point of reference and I may not be able to look back and give you a testimony or a memory or some kind of story about what God has done, but I can believe what thus saith the Lord today. If he speaks to me today and says it's coming down, I'm going to put my faith and my hope and my trust in him and I'm not going to depend on my past. I'm I'm not going to depend on my experience. Can I tell you one of my greatest struggles, Brother Paul, one of my greatest struggles is to not let my experience talk me out of my expectation. To not let my experience talk me out of my expectation. How many knows there's people in your life that, that if they've gone through something similar to what you're going through or what you've been through or what you might go through, they always want to offer their opinion. Oh, well, my, my, my sister's mother's cat's boyfriend's uncle, they, they went through that too. And they died. Please excuse me, but we need to then have a catechism and remove you from my friends list. Because I don't need you setting up what God's knocking down in my life. I want people around me who say if God's trying to do that, I'm going to support what God's doing. If he's pushing it down, I'll push it down too. If God's pulling it down, I'll pull it down too. If God said he's going to take you through, then I'm with you. Let's go arm in arm and hand in hand and let's get through this thing together because I'm here to support. I, te- I, text, I text Pastor Lee. Uh, it's been a few weeks back. And I said, this is what I feel that we are. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times. Listen, but a brother is born for adversity. Now a friend who loves that, a friend is one level of relationship. A brother is another level of relationship. And a friend who loves you will sometimes, because they love you, they don't want to say something that might rub you the wrong way. 
but a brother who's born for adversity might just look at you and say, I still love you, I'm your friend, I love you, but because we're in adversity, I'm going to need you to pick that sword up. I'm going to need you to learn how to wield that a little bit. And we got to fight this thing, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be beside of you. But, but you and I need to do this together. And I, I thank God that Pastor Lee's not only been a friend that has loved it all the time, but a brother born for adversity that will say, hey, we, we, can, we can talk real and we can be real with each other and we can say, no, we're going to fight and we're going to fight. The, what's the catch line now at Walton Church? Come fight with us. We will fight for you. We are born for this. We are born for adversity to help, to fight. And so I believe something's missing, but I believe something's fallen too. I believe strongholds are falling. I believe, I believe there's dilemmas and challenges and problems. I believe there's things that Satan has erected in people's lives. Listen, no matter what seems inconquerable, no matter what seems immovable, no matter what seems irreversible, something is falling. Something that has seemed permanent. Something that has seemed everlasting. Something that has seemed perpetual. Something that seems unchanging and imperishable and immutable. What some have set up even and is and respects in your life as being uh, immutable. What some people look at and say, well, you know, he'll never change. They'll never get out of that. That's always going to be their reality. I defy that in the name of the living God. And I tell you that my God is still able to deliver. And he can bring me out and he can release me me and he can liberate me and he can do a work in me like you you may not have seen it before you may not have seen it in me before but the God that I serve is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think it may not look like it now but something's falling something's falling let me let me let me hurry up and close how many how many give me 10 minutes how many give me 10 let me see 10 20 30 40 50 I got plenty of time you can use that anytime you want to I love what Exodus 15 and 6 says. Moses' song, when they come through the Red Sea, he said, Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Something that seems unbreakable is about to be toppled. Something's falling. And I love this. I love this. I got I to gotta talk to you about this a minute. What we need, and I'm thankful that it's what we have, but if what we need is an environment you listen to me. I'm still in the text. What we need is we need an environment where we can bring our Dagon and set it next to the ark. What we need is an environment where we can bring those things that are strongholds in our life and problems in our life and don't seem like they're going anywhere in our life and then the devil's beating us up with it and beating us down with it and conquering us with it and we need to get that thing right next to the ark. Man, I want to tell you, if you got a Dagon in your life this morning, don't fret over it. Don't feel condemned over it. Just push that thing as close to the ark as you can. Get that thing as close to God as you can. God, here it is. God, here it is. I can't handle it. I can't do it. I can't move it. I can't fix it. I can't clean it. I can't do anything with it. But God, I'm going to put it right next to the ark. I'm going to put it right next to your glory. I'm going to put it right next to your spirit. I'm going to put it right next to your word. I'm going to get it real close, Lord. And if I can get it closer, I found out if I can get my day gone close enough to the glory of the Lord, that thing can fall. Its head will cut off. Its hands will cut off. It can't stand in anymore. Listen to me. The bottom half of Dagon was like a fish's tail. And I'm telling you that the wrong people, the wrong people have been squirming like a fish. I believe it's time that God wants to do something to make the enemy squirm where he's been doing stuff to make us squirm. I believe the squirming is about to have role reversal and the enemy needs to squirm instead of us squirming. And I'm telling you that the glory of the Lord is going to manifest. I love this. We need this environment where we can bring it. I, I, have, to, I have to say this. I'm really trying to hurry. But, but I love the story of the man with the withered hand. I love because he was in the temple. He was in the synagogue. He was there. And, and, and the Bible said that Jesus saw him and that Jesus said, now here he's got this wounded hand. And, and if it had been me, I'd have been trying to hide it. I'd have been trying to hide it. I don't, I don't want nobody to see it because in the church, we only like to show our good parts. I'm going to come over here and preach to y'all because they, I say we like to show our good parts. We like to show how we got it all together. Now what I like about this man, Jesus said, stretch forth thine hand. And what I like about it is the man stretched forth his withered hand. Jesus didn't say stretch forth your withered hand. 
He didn't tell him which, which hand to, to, to stretch forth. He just told him to stretch forth the hand. But, but Jesus had created an environment where you could put your mess right up to Jesus and say, Lord, here it is. It don't look right. It don't work right. It don't function right. It's an embarrassment. I don't feel good about it. And everybody's looking at me murmuring and complaining and looking at all of that. But Lord, if you said stretch it out to you, I'll stretch it out. And the Bible said that as soon as he stretched it out, immediately it began to be restored. And I'm telling you that if you can get in an environment that is that is a, a conducive to the glory and the spirit of God and get your weakness and get your mess and get your situation right up next to the glory, I'm telling you instantaneously things will begin to work things will begin to be restored things will begin to change something's fallen but after Dagon had been broken and toppled and cut the Bible said that the ark was shipped around I'm going to close the ark had been shipped around a few different places it wreaked havoc everywhere they took it now, if you read the story, it's going to say that a lot of the, a lot of the men, a lot of the people, that they, they had emeralds. Now, this can be interpreted different ways. It can be interpreted hemorrhoids. It's true. It's true. It's true. But it can also be interpreted or, or translated as tumors or boils. Now, I don't know which it was, but I want to tell you, I can just, I mean, man, God mean business. He give you hemorrhoids. And you know what? I mean, I don't know. Even in one place it said that all them that didn't die had hemorrhoids. Sometimes I'm thinking, which would have been better? But I will say this. I think what God was doing was saying, I'm going to do a work amongst my people and on behalf of my people where the enemy cannot sit comfortably by. Because I think we've, I think too often we provide this comfort zone for our enemy. And God said, no, I'm, I'm not going to let them sit comfortably. I'm going, I'm going to cause, amen, well, anyway, I've heard that. <laughs> Preparation H either, I don't know. The pe- so the people either died or they had sore bottoms. The point is this, God was moving in a way where the enemy could not sit comfortably. I believe that God, what, is, what I'm saying is this, I believe that God is about to discomfort the enemy that's been discomforting you. I believe God's about to turn that thing around where you've been pacing at night. You've been up sleepless at night. You've been wondering what, what's, what's going to happen and what am I going to do about this. And you've not been able to sit comfortably and you've not been able to rest comfortably and you've got all this stuff going through your mind. And God said, wait a minute, you get that thing close enough to me, there's still glory. I'm still powerful. I'm still God. And I'll turn that thing around and it'll be the enemy that's up at night saying, what am I going to do now? They're walking in peace. They're walking in victory. They're walking in power. What am I going to do? And so... I don't know of anything that'd be more painful than a holy hemorrhoid. I just, I'm just got this. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. But God, what God was doing, and I'm through. What God was doing was clearing a path for His ark to come back to its rightful place. And I really believe that this is what's happening. I really believe that God is saying, "I'm ready to come back to my rightful place." I'm, re- I'm really ready. I've, I've kind of let y'all do, and I'm not just talking about Walton. I'm talking about church in general as well. But, but you, I've let you kind of do, and you've felt some things out, and you've seen if it worked, and you've tested the waters and all this. He said, but I'm tired of testing waters. I'm ready to make waves. I'm ready to make waves. And so something's missing, and I get that. Something's falling, I get that. But I come to tell you today, something's coming. Something's coming. I sense a fresh wave. I sense a fresh wind. I sense a fresh fire. I sense something fresh is happening. Something is coming. The ark is returned. Listen, what what really comes is an opportunity. An opportunity to embrace 
what God wants to do. This, this is the thing about, did you know that it took, the Bible said in, in 1 Samuel 6 and 1 that the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. It took them seven months to figure this thing out. It shows me that the enemy will not go quietly and he will not go quickly but that if we will persist and we will pursue and we will push, I'm telling you, God's about to turn some things around in your life. Come on, give him praise this morning. Would you do it? I want them to come. I want them to come. Watch. Here's what I want you to know. God God will not force. Don't, don't tune me out. God will not force revival on us. God will not force revival on us, but he will give us the opportunity to experience it. The Bible says this even. The Bible says that the ark, when it did make its way back, that the ark sat in Kerjath-Jerim. Watch. It sat there for 20 years. 20 years. You know what grieves my heart, and yet it, it blesses my heart that we still have opportunity because of the word of the Lord. But what grieves my heart is they... As the ark was coming back to Israel, they let it sit not in its rightful place, but only part way back for 20 years. What grieves my heart is that what I believe we're going to experience from here on out and what we're going to experience in the glory of the Lord, it could have come 20 years ago. We could have had it. It's been available. We could have had it long ago. But we had appetite for this or appetite for that or longing for this or longing for that. But I sense what God's doing is saying, I've let you entertain all these other appetites, but I'm stirring a hunger in the hearts of my people. And I believe there's going to be some Davids that are going to say, let's go get this thing. Let's go get this ark. And let's get it in his rightful place. Let's let God move the way that he wants to move. And can I tell you that when they did that, when they got serious with God at a place called Mizpah, that revival and restoration started. Families were restored. Situations were restored. Lands were restored. You want God to restore. You need something restored in your life. Joy, peace, family, whatever it is. I'm telling you, if you'll push close to Him, He's giving us an opportunity today. He's giving us an opportunity today. And I know the buffet is waiting. But I can tell you this, that what's on the table of the Lord is a lot better than what's on the buffet today. If you're hungry, if you're hungry,